Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I'm Carlos Adequitiver, and joining me live is Greg Ebenetomorphs. It's a disappointing day for me. <laughs> and Angry Boy Matthew Woodson at No Pit Stops. It's time to talk about Chip Kelly, Coach of the Year votes. <laughs> it's We need to have a conversation. Uh, thank you for joining us live on YouTube. No Avery right now. She's trying to get on. I told her, get on your phone. Her, her computer's... Uh, taking a shit on her so she'll probably join us at some point but here we are live right now thank you for joining us like the video send us in your comments and thoughts and subscribe to the channel podcast listeners thank you for tuning in once again uh be sure to follow the show rate us five stars on apple and spotify uh and quick quick housekeeping stuff straight up basketball season now wednesday 5 p.m pacific join greg and reed i won't be there this week but they will they're going to recap an entire week's worth of pac-12 basketball games on youtube and drop the episode on your feeds on thursday morning and lastly we have bonus patreon content over at northtruckstops.com for just five dollars we will be previewing the last week of pac-12 football ever over there uh that's over at northtruckstops.com for five dollars that's it. No God, more talking. That was morbid. No more talking. That's sad. No more talking. Let's start it up. Let's let's start this up. Have a nice uh, little conversation here. Talk about some Pac-12 football, starting with the game that just finished and uh, the woman who finally made it, Avery at Brave Grapes. Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, get on your phone. Just get on your goddamn phone. Then listen. She's stubborn, but she here she is. We made it. Washington beats Oregon State. 22-20 on a rainy day in Corvallis. This was a sloppy defensive slugfest. Washington was up 22-10 late in this game. Oregon State battled back to get within two points before a potential game-winning drive that petered out after a missed throw from DJ Uyunglele. In the end, the Huskies pull out yet another win and advance to 11-0. There's a lot of performances to get into here, a lot of coaching decisions to get into here, a lot of stuff to criticize, a lot of stuff to praise. But let's start with Washington. They go at 11-0. They maintain. They they get over their last big test of the season. They are still undefeated. Here they are. Greg, let's start with you. How did you feel about Washington's performance in this one? Washington did what I think they've done for a while now, which is look good, but not a lot more than that. I thought the offense had some really nice moments. Roma Dunze is an incredible player. Uh, they never looked downright bad, I don't think, but at the same time, also felt like Oregon State left something on the table, like Oregon State could have won this game, and if dub is what their fans say they are and what we'd like them to be as the best team in the conference, uh, you, you would have expected them, I think, to win this game by more than they did, because I don't think that this Oregon State team is, I don't think they're world beaters. I think this is a game that you can win comfortably if you're Washington, if you're as good as people say you are. I, I'm i skeptical that they are that good, though. And that's that's my takeaway. <laughs> Avery, what about you? You agree? You feel like you're a little Here's underwhelmed by Washington I yet do again. not take into account what Washington fans think about Washington when I evaluate Washington. I feel like that's a fool's game and we should not play it. Um, like, I really am not going to base my feelings off of this team on standards set by these people who think that Washington is like the greatest team to ever exist. Yeah, like they they could have looked better in this game the same way they could have looked better in every game this season, but it gets to the point where they've won every game put in front of them. Every single week we say, well, if they beat this team, then like I'll feel better about UW. They beat Oregon State. So I feel better about UW. That's where I'm at right now. Like I asked them to beat Oregon State 
and that I would feel better about them. And I do feel better about them. Do I think they're going to win the national championship? No. Do I think they're going to win a playoff game? Probably not. But like they are 11 and 0 and nobody else is. So I can't argue with that anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's a great point. Matthew Hubertson, I know you're feeling a little overwhelmed. Did this did the, underwhelmed by Washington generally. <laughs> this confirms some of those suspicions or are you sort of on Avery's side where it's like they they beat another test. They're 11 and 0. This one is definitely a lot more of a beat another well, test yeah. there eleven and zero than last week, right? Yeah. Like I, I, th- I think that if you are coming away that with from this game feeling the same way as you did them coming away from beating Utah in a very similar fashion, uh, you're definitely missing the plot there. I, I continue to see the same team that I see week in and week out. Like I just don't see a very like a great complete team. I continue i i'm gonna do the joke again of wow these uw receivers are really good like god damn these guys are so good and i really i i don't think we've ever seen a college football team be carried by their wide receivers and i think that's what we're seeing right now i think they're being carried by these three dudes on the outside and like it's just covering up for a whole lot of mediocre and that's unbelievable to me yeah i mean washington really unbelievable yeah washington's receivers are like the I, I have not watched a lot of truck stop football things outside this conference. Of the little I have, Washington's receivers are the best thing I've seen. They're the best thing I've seen in a, in a few years, honestly. These Washington receivers are, are bailing out. I mean, they're bailing out Michael Penix. Michael Penix, a totally good quarterback. Like, I, I really like Michael Penix. I think he's talented. But, like, it often feels, and it definitely felt in this game, and it has for, I don't know, like, maybe two months now, that these receivers are bailing out Michael Penix, I think, way more than any of us expected. Um, Roma Dunze is an unbelievable player. Uh, It's ridiculous what he's he's doing and what he does every single week, what he has to do every single week. Um, It's it's amazing, honestly, that Michael Penix can get in trouble, throw it to Roma Dunze, and he's there. To Michael Penix's credit, though, he did have some moments here where he was pressured and forced to throw on the run and forced to use his legs and forced to make passes under duress that I don't think we've seen him consistently make this season. And he has. So I, I do give Michael Penix credit for that. I think that that was an incredibly gutsy and per- impressive performance from from my Washington and Michael Penix. I that is that is absolutely true. I, but go ahead. What were you going to say, Avery? I have been really high on Michael Penix. I love Michael Penix. And I know people are going to look at this game and look at his stats and see that it's one of his worst performances this season stats-wise, but I feel better about Michael Penix coming out of this game simply because I saw him do things I didn't think he was capable of like in the run game, like what you were saying. He was actually moving under pressure and using his legs. He's never going to be a mobile quarterback. He's never going to beat you on the run. But like just the, his ability to like make those decisions are, is something I haven't seen him do during his time at UW. And that just makes me feel better about him as a player. So this game should not, in my opinion, hurt his Heisman performance. But again, I'm not a casual who just looks at raw stats and makes decisions about things. So we'll see. I, I also think to your point here, it's like the... Con- <laughs> This is the second time we're talking about Michael Penix and the way he looked against Oregon State in weird conditions. But for the second straight season, the conditions were kind of weird. Um, This ball was 
slippery. Um, it felt like we had we had a couple of crazy fumbles early on. Uh, it was like I'm not sure how much we all were able to even see like handoffs. They weren't even gave, able to get clean handoffs all the time. So I feel like it was slipping out of their hands and it got into their running backs' hands and they and they maintained it. So in some ways, it's like Michael Penix. He went 13 for 28, 162 yards. Not great, um, but. But the conditions certainly, I think, made it such that I'm, I, you know, it's impressive that he didn't make any mistakes. He did have one near interception, probably should have been an interception, um, and overthrew a couple of guys. But like, it was that that shit was wet. That was a wet ass game. Yeah, it was wet. I have to like push back on this a little bit because these are teams okay. based in the Pacific Northwest, so like these are their practicing <laughs> conditions, especially this time of year. But it doesn't make it any easier to play football, and I'd love to see like SEC quarterbacks playing in these conditions. They would be absolutely absolutely horrid but yeah, yeah like it makes sense why his stats are lower Jaden Daniels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jaden Daniels we're seeing it right now thriving, he's gonna win the heisman thriving getting perfect, out of this shit he just needed good weather he just, he just needed, needed 70 good degrees and sunny <laughs> he didn't get that in tempe apparently no. so, look, 110 <laughs> degrees and sunny does not feel the same um, <laughs> my guy just need my guy just needed some humidity that's all that's it um but but I do think, having said that about Michael Penix, having said that about the receivers, the offensive line was also uh, has been pretty good. There's the, to, to Matt's point, there's something about this team that just feels like they're just surviving every single week, right? Like they are not they they look like they're barely escaping some of these teams. It looks a little bit different though because Oregon State is a really good team. I think we have some issues with them, but they are a really good team. Their offense is. Uh, fantastic and Washington did a pretty good job of limiting them a lot of that had to do with rain a lot of that had to do with Jonathan Smith's coaching decisions which we'll get into but I think you know uh, outside of the run game which gashed gashed Washington I think Washington had no answers for Damian Martinez I think they had plenty of answers for Deshaun Fenwick he was not good in this game they had very few answers for DJU when he when he carried the ball they did not know what to do there outside of that though the pass the pass defense was uh much better than I think like I said that they had a, a horrible secondary, that the secondary is going to be the worst thing on the field. I think that, came, that turned out not to be true. It turned out to be Oregon State's receivers. Uh, it turned about turned out to be DJU's arm, right? Like, I think those things were really hurt by Washington's pass defense. I do think they deserve some credit for that. The defense stepped up, especially against DJU Uyunglele. I understand that there's caveat. We're going to caveat that with some Oregon State stuff. But here they are. Jabara Muhammad was incredible in this game. Like, I... Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like fantastic. I was not fantastic. expecting a performance like this from a Washington defender. Like I thought there was like no no positives on this fucking defense other than Braylon Trice having like a lot of pressures. He he was really good in this game, which was just horrible as someone who wanted Oregon State to win really badly. Yeah. He was he was fantastic. There were some big time plays from the from the defense. So yeah, and they got to DJ. I think they, you know, I there were times where DJU had tons of time back there, but there was also, I felt like they got pressure on DJU a fair amount, um, enough to make them uncomfortable, enough to force them into some really silly throws. Um, but I don't know. I, I Here's the thing. Washington is 11-0, and and when's the last time a Pac-12 team went 11-0? and Right? Like, I don't, I can't, I literally can't think of one. I don't Washington- think it's happened in Pac-12 history. Yeah, I I don't think it has in Pac-12 history. Um, my thing is, like, I get that we keep saying, oh, they're just surviving. But, like, usually teams that are just surviving drop a fucking game. And we're, we're looking at their final game against Washington State, who Washington State looks like shit. 
There is no reason Washington should lose this game. I mean, I saw how they played against Arizona State and Sanford, so like, who knows? But they haven't dropped a game. They had opportunities to drop games and they didn't. And so I have to give them credit for that because every other team we've talked about where they're like, oh, it just feels like they're surviving week to week have eventually slipped up. And I don't think it counts the same as if they slip up in the conference championship game, you know? Like, I feel like you can't be like, see, look, they slipped up. They're in the fucking title game. Yeah. Go ahead. I I mean, I, I... I'm not trying to undercut like what they've done as a season. I thought I feel like we talked about USC this way last year. The difference was that USC still won every game by USC three scores. USC had an easy fucking like, schedule last year. USC did yeah, not well, play two of the best teams in the conference in UW and Oregon. Yeah, Washington has had a tougher schedule for sure. And I think Washington has had to play, I think, every major contender, right? Right? Or am I missing any? No, yeah. they've played they've everyone to- except Washington State, who was a contender at one point and isn't anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The only one that I could say was like a, a horrible matchup, which is kind of funny to think about. And I love teasing the UW fans about this. The only team on this, uh, like in the Pac-12, that I think is a bad matchup for Washington is UCLA. I think that is the one where they miss. Where I was like, in fact, I would say UCLA is a worse matchup for Washington than USC is. I think they they were lucky in that they missed. They missed UCLA and got Washington. Well, we just saw what UCLA did to USC, and they're, UW and USC are the same team. So, yeah, <laughs> that is so mean. Um, That's- that is mean. I, I, I don't, th- I don't think they're the same team. I think here's the thing, and to Avery's point, that like the teams that barely survive end up slipping up. This is like like 2021 Oregon was exactly sort of like not the same team. They're not the same team, but like 2021 Oregon, we kind of talked about they the same way. They lost to Stanford. They're just. They're, they're just yeah well they lose to stanford right but they're like just surviving they're like playing ugly yeah. against these dumb teams they lose to stanford and then it's like okay well they won again they won again and they're only like you know they're 10 9 8 and 1 or whatever and they won again and then what happens when they play a real team uh utah they got ass blasted i don't think that's what's happening to washington washington has had to play some real teams they are sleepwalking through the bad ones that's true um and i and i don't know how that's going to end up translating when they have to play oregon and i don't know what their mental toughness will be like when oregon is like fucking pissed off because they will come into that pac-12 title game uh, like throwing haymakers um so i don't know i mean but washington is surviving they were up to again thinking about this game they were up two scores on Oregon State. It's not like they were down and needed to like rally and have a couple of lucky passes in order to, or lucky catches, some lucky breaks in order to get back into it. They were up 22 to 10, and Oregon State was the team that had to battle back. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State was the team that had to rally. And yeah, Oregon State made some mistakes, but like so did Washington. So I feel like it's pretty fair. Like Washington left points on the board that they could have had too. So uh, I don't know. I don't like that I'm being uh, put in the position to defend Washington. Like, I don't want to be here, (laughs) but I have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's completely fair. We got a comment here from our homie Nick Sandoval in the chat. Matt thought UW was fraudulent all year and can't get over the fact that they've passed every cast. Matt, you want to respond? That's right. You want to respond to this allegation? (laughs) That's absolutely correct. A hundred percent. I will die on this hill. I'm very happy to. See, I don't, I think it's, I think you can't, Okay, I was going to say, I don't think you can be fraudulent if you have 11 wins. No, you, you can't be. USC. There are frauds <laughs> in every win total. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. I was talking about this with Matt and Greg before. It was like back back in the early 2010s when I actually did used to watch Truck Stop Football and, and teams, uh, conferences outside my own. This team reminds me of 2012 Notre Dame a little bit. Um, and I say that because no, that Notre Dame team... 
that Notre Dame team was good. They kept winning, but I would not say they were like elite and dominant. This has not been, I think we can all agree. I'm actually, let me, let me phrase this as a question. I'm going to kick it, kick it to you, Avery. Would you say this Washington team is dominant? Cause I don't. And I think Notre Dame was similar in that they weren't dominant, but they won the game. I will never, I will never call a team that should have lost to Kenny Dillingham's Arizona State at home <laughs> dominant. Never. You can't make me. They could be Oregon by 30 in the conference championship game, and I will never fucking say that because of how they played against ASU and Stanford. Yeah. Yeah, like I... We are not sitting here saying that like if UW wins the champion the conference championship that this is the worst Pac-12 champion no, ever. Absolutely. We had that, that last year. year. <laughs> has another, UW, UW has another team that is very much in the running for that, and Utah probably might beat them. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a we. Got, I like this comment from a man of culture. He says they have passed every test. They have not aced them. See, that's the difference. I like that. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> well. And then, and then our buddy Matty Schwaz says, "Like twenty, like TCU last year. Like this is not a take anything away from you, and like it is not even necessarily saying that you can't go out and beat the shit out of Michigan. But to sit here and say that you should be the favorite or that you're great or that you should be talked about like you're the best team in the country, let's let's. It's okay to like critique. Yeah, some I things. hope they're not. Yeah, what, that is I hope okay. They're not coming to our <laughs> podcast for that because we will never fucking <laughs> give them that." Um, I will say one thing to just contextualize this because we're so immersed in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is a gauntlet too. Like I think we, I think it's probably fair to recognize that like even the shitty teams in the Pac-12 are kind of scrappy. You know, like Arizona State did get their asses handed to them today um, against maybe what might actually be a dominant team, <laughs> but they are scrappy. They they will make a lot of teams sweat, and they made some teams. They made Oklahoma State sweat earlier this season. Um, you know, Stanford made some teams sweat. They will make Notre Dame sweat on the back door of networks next week. Um, Washington State went four and zero, and that's like the bottom. They are close to being the bottom dwellers of the of the Pac twelve. So this is it is a it is a gauntlet. I think every single game is going to be tough. We said that when the Pac twelve emerged with only like three losses in the non conference. And here they are. It is a gauntlet. Washington is getting through it. They are they are on the cusp of doing something no other Pac-12 team has done since realignment in 2010, and that is go undefeated in conference. I do think that that's worth celebrating. No, it has not been dominant. No, it has not always been impressive, but they are doing it. Um, so mm-hmm. let's see. Let's move on to talk about the other side of this, Oregon State, the Oregon State Beavers, our Oregon State Beavers. They lose this one in a heartbreaker uh, and in in many ways, similar to how they lost this last year against Washington in Seattle, Matthew Hubertson, you had a lot to say about their coaching. What did you think of Oregon State in this one? Yeah, I, y'all, I might be ready to have a conversation about Jonathan Smith. I'm, I, I think that a lot of this feeling is definitely informed by how we talked about him at the end of last year, and and where he has has kind of been on his trajectory. And I, I mean. I, I think that Oregon State's offense, and it's wild to say this as you look at all of the advanced analytics of where Oregon State is at, might be one of my biggest disappointments of the season, personally. Like, I, I really thought this offense had a chance to be absolutely just lethal in, in every way against every team in this conference. And the fact that against a UW defense that is fine, is not great, 
I to only put up 20 points is and to not be able to finish drives at all is very concerning to me outside of the way that this that the end of the game closed here with the with the management. Yeah, I've got I've, I've got many things here, but uh, Greg, what notes did you have about the Oregon State side of this? I mean, just imagine how good Oregon State would be if Jonathan Smith was allowed to know who plays for his team. Like, if he could, like, look at this <laughs> roster and see, this is where we're good and this is where we're not good. Like, if he knew which parts were good, imagine how good that offense would be. That's what I feel like watching this team because, oh, Damian Martinez is just wonderful to watch. He just, he runs so angrily, but he's also, like, genuinely super talented he's big and he's athletic fantastic running back to watch love the oregon state offensive line we've talked about that and yet they lost and i didn't even think dju was that bad for his own standards you know like dju can play that way and you can win a game as long as you don't inexplicably give him the ball 31 times was it uh, it was too many. However many attempts he got. Yes, it was thirty-one times. Yeah, it, was, it was too many. He had when more you passing have attempts so than Michael Penix did. God, yeah, it's so they bad. did have the ball like forty more times, but I, still, <laughs> it's like, so bad. What? Oh God, but it's just the receivers when they're that bad because they really are not good. Uh, you can't lean on the pass that much. There's just there's no excuse for it. It was never going to go well. Uh. I think Oregon State, if they'd leaned on the run, could have won because that last drive would have taken up a lot more time and then you get a field goal maybe as time expires. Like, just that little change could have been enough for Oregon State to win. And I don't say that to take away from UW because I was pretty critical of UW. Like, UW also played well enough to win. I thought for large stretch of this game, they were the better team. But again, Oregon State really shot themselves in the foot and it was all, (laughs) that's pretty much all Jonathan Smith's fault. The story of Oregon State could have won this game if they just ran the ball is like, man, uh, that's evergreen, Greg. What did you think of Oregon State's performance? Every fucking loss, we say this about Oregon State. Like, it's not always the reason they lose, but it's always a contributing factor into why they lose. And I meant to do the math and pull up which games they threw less than 25 times and which games they threw more than 25 times because I know all the losses, they depend on the pass game. And I love DJU, but it just makes him look so bad to rely on the pass this much. Like, he should not be passing over 25 times a game, and people love to blame him, but it is the wide receivers, and I hate that because Reed was right. Fuck Reed, but they're not talented enough. Kirk Herbstreet said it 40 million times that they're 5'8". Like, they're not good enough to treat them the way you would treat UW's wide receivers. And it's like they get one successful passing play, like on their last drive where they had that crazy third down conversion where it was like, oh my gosh, that was great. I'm so glad they did that. Run the ball now. And all of a sudden they think they have five-star receivers out there. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't need you don't need yeah. to throw the ball again and again and again. Just run the ball, please. I'm... Yeah, I, I really we need to change our language here. It, it's not Oregon State would have won or, or or could have won. Oregon State would have won had they just ran the damn ball. We nineteen straight times like there was a proof of this. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> They're saving that playbook for next week, baby. <laughs> that wasn't like um, some weird fluke. <laughs> I genuinely right, that feel was like, like it would work every game. game. Car- 
Carlos, you tweeted it was the exact same script. Yeah. It was the exact it same script. It really game. was, yeah. and it could have right. happened. It could have happened right. on that last drive. I thought it was going to happen. <laughs> I thought this is the time Jonathan Smith finally God. realizes what he's been missing with the run game. This is when they finally remove the blindfold and he can see who plays for his team. But it just <laughs> it didn't happen this time, and then we, we got to end the game on a fourth and five throw that just it was it had no prayer that of being pass completed. Sh- shook me more than 9 11. Uh, yeah. Although <laughs> my bold, dumb prediction was DJU misses a wide open Silas Bolden on fourth down to lose to lose the game. Oh, I was really was, close. Was it, was I was it? really close. <laughs> was it Velling? Um, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, down 22 20, just for folks that didn't watch this game, didn't catch the end of this. Down 22 20. Uh, Oregon State fought back, battled back down twenty. They were down twenty two ten, and got in largely with their run game. Um, they down twenty two twenty with about two and a half minutes left at about the fifty yard line. They had a third and twelve. They went for a DJU through a you know seven yard pass over the middle to I think it was probably I think it was Bolden. Um, and that set up a fourth and five. And what they drew up was a pass again. I think again to to Bolden. Washington threw a bunch of guys at them. They got pressure. Oregon State didn't quite pick it up, but he had a bit of time. He was backpedaling, throws a sort of desperation throw, and it goes. Uh, it just misses everything. That's the sort of stuff where it's like on fourth and five. Like even on fourth and five, I'd figure something some some way out to run. I trust Oregon State to get five yards on the ground. Well, even I do. if DJU kept it and ran, like there's like yes, an eighty seven. There's like an eighty percent chance that he converts that just by carrying four guys across. Yeah, yeah. The first down marker. Like, why yeah. are you throwing when you have one of the biggest, most dominating players with the ball in his hands already? Like, just hold it run forward see if they can tackle you they can't tackle the small guys they're not going to tackle you it makes me sick yeah and and to think they didn't need they they were down two they only needed a field goal this is our homie sean cross says we got the ball with eight minutes left and everyone in the stadium thought we were going to go 95 yards and kick a field goal to win with no time left they oregon state was doing that they were milking the clock with eight minutes left uh and had and and dude i felt I felt that way at 14 minutes. Yeah, I was like, Let's, yeah. "Give me a 14 minute five point drive. Let's see it." The, and Oregon State can do that for sure. The way I feel like with was it like five minutes left, he really started to pass more. It was like he thought there was no time left. It it was the yeah. weirdest offense. That that's yeah. the exact time when running is best. Every coach would run in that situation, especially when he's but had why? such Ugh. a good rushing team for years. Like, you know about clock management at this point. Like, how do you not? I think Jonathan Smith is in a game with himself where he has to make it harder so that he has to achieve more to look better and feel better about himself. That's the only <laughs> explanation. I mean, here's, I pulled up the game on paper for those who don't know game on paper, fantastic site for just pulling in some advanced stats. Um, and, and again, if you're just looking at this, purple is bad, black is like mid, and green is good. And and I just like look at Oregon State's metrics here in this game. EPA per play, not great, success rate, not great. And that is because if you look into this more, EPA on drop pack, expected points added, every drop pack, 19th percentile. Very fucking bad. EPI on rush, 70th percentile. Fantastic. Great. Yards per drop back, 5.03 yards per drop back, 31st percentile. Explosive play rate, 3 percentile. Third down success rate, 25th percentile. Uh, uh, honestly, because they were passing it so much. 
I mean, this was a, a, a quintessential Oregon State performance where nothing was going for them except the most reliable thing that you can have happen for you in football, which is your run game. <laughs> and they fucking abandoned it. 31, 31 attempts. That wasn't just dropbacks, by the way. Like, there's maybe three or four additional dropbacks that were either sacks or runs. Like, somewhere in the neighborhood of 35, 35 dropbacks. I really like DJ Uyunglele. Like, this is not a DJ Uyunglele, like, slander moment here. I think he is a totally serviceable to, like, pretty good passer. I think he is a fantastic runner. I think he is a smart player. But you cannot expect him to throw 35 times in this game in the situations that they're in, especially with the conditions, again, right? Like, you can't expect him to do that. That is not the thing DJ Uyunglele is the best at right now. That's just not who he is. And this isn't a situation of like they threw the ball super well until the fourth quarter and it all fell apart. Like you need to lean on your strengths. And when you are not able to identify your strengths early in the game and identify what is going right, like to have a similar balance in play calling to what UW did, except for UW's success was completely inverted, is a problem. You need to be relying on where you are successful. And he seems to run away with it and force his force where his team is struggling as much as he possibly can on a very consistent basis. Another, another decision here, this doesn't get talked about. And I, and I don't mean this as slander or anything like that. Throwing Aiden Childs out there. I know he's done it every single game. I get it. I 100% understand what he's doing there. I think it's great in this game, in these conditions, in a game where every single drive is going to matter. That was a bit of a waste to drive, uh, giving it to Aiden Childs there. Um, I don't, I, that was if they use that drive and and end up kicking a field goal, they win this game. It's it's that that is the margin that we're dealing with here against the top five team, well, top four team his, in college football. His, his drives have been like very successful. <laughs> I think they've scored on almost <laughs> yeah, they, every single one of his drives this season. Yeah, I'm, uh, but, but I, I don't know. But if that's the offense you need, if that's the offense you want to run, you just need to start. Yeah, Charles, you're right. Yeah, frankly, you're right. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, they're just trying to keep Charles on the team. That's why he's getting this playing time. Like honestly, it's pretty yes. clear. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. So here's Oregon State. They're eight and three. They got a chance to go nine and three next week, but that chance is against a high a, a juggernaut. Um, we'll see what a happens. Who have they played? We'll get to it. Should <laughs> we'll be favored. Get to that. Well. <laughs> just for folks know just so folks know washington is officially a clinched um a spot in the pac-12 championship game mathematically they are in now they will be the home team meaning they'll just wear their purple jerseys or throw some other shit out there whatever um (laughs) org just and oregon state has effectively been eliminated no they have mathematically they can't be in it um so we'll get to pac-12 tiebreakers when we get to some of these other teams but oregon wins and they're in and arizona needs oregon state to beat oregon yeah so be nice to us in the comments. The official team of No Truck Stops LLC has been eliminated from playoff yeah, contention. Yeah, we're, we're, we're feeling sad. it. It's okay? hitting home right we're now. We're not in a good place. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's. that was our recap on Oregon State-Washington. Lots, uh, lots of stuff there. We'll see how these teams fare in the next couple of weeks here, what they do. But for now, let's move on to the next game here. The mid-off for Los Angeles, ucla throttles usc 38 to 20 the bruins took an early 14 nothing lead never looked back they stifled usc defensively they probably put together the best defensive performance of anyone who's played the trojans at this point uh caleb williams threw a pick and a touchdown but more importantly usc had 
three, three single digits rushing yards. Not three rushing touchdowns. That's some <laughs> that's three, some Washington not, State bullshit right there. <laughs> three rushing yards against UCLA. <laughs> Ethan Garbers threw for three touchdowns. Ethan Garbers has had as many. Ethan Garbers <laughs> had as many passing touchdowns <laughs> as USC had rushing yards. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> uh, man, oh man, there's so much to talk about in this game. But let's start with UCLA beating USC, evening the series at six and six over the past twelve seasons. UCLA now seven and four on the year with one to go. Matt, did you get to watch this one? What did you think? Domination, domination, <laughs> yeah. and frankly, I we are not giving enough credit to the mastermind behind the game plan, the execution, the post game. Frankly, was handled perfectly. <laughs> it's really, it's just. UCLA is the light that shines amongst all the darkness and dreadfulness in all of college football. And I, we are not giving enough credit to its leadership, Kelly, (laughs) to lose. You lose. You go into this season. You lost your all time quarterback from your program. DTR out the door. He's gone. And the next year you absolutely dominate your rival with the reigning Heisman, the best that, excuse me, the third best coach in all of college football, according to (laughs) MF at MF Reed. Like so clearly UCLA has the right guy in Westwood and he should be there for a long time. (laughs) And, and I, that is all that I take away from this. game. Oh man, I will get to the chip Kelly thing because I have so Oh God! How funny was There's that? There's no other thing. There There's is, no other thing. There is definitely. Okay, he is great. Extend the man. Give him. No, everything. I think we definitely should stay on Chip things. Kelly right now. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, please save us. What did you think of UCLA in this game? It was just so funny. It was the funniest possible outcome. We're just waiting on the Chip Kelly extension news, like Matt said. <laughs> but it's just so it, like the best part about this game is that. USC has shown themselves to be one of the greatest get back, uh, get right games that we've had in the Pac-12 era. <laughs> yeah, like, how no many defenses shit. have reliably <laughs> pumped out elite offensive performances for the other team? Quite like this USC team, I can't think of one right now. <laughs> Even Colorado last year no, wasn't this. No, I know because col- the team stopped trying a lot earlier, usually against Colorado. <laughs> so they yeah. got to get more reps in this year against USC. Yeah. <laughs> Um, man, yeah, I guess you wanted to go to USC. I was talking about UCLA, but yes, UCLA's offense kicked ass in this game for the most part. Uh, and you're right to think about that only in the context of USC, because frankly, it only went as well as it did because of USC. Uh, Ethan Garbers looked, (laughs) he looked great in this game. He was fantastic. He was making decisions really really well he was uh you know throwing pretty accurate mostly kind of pretty accurately <laughs> running what he needed to didn't throw a single interception in this uh, game i don't know if that's on him necessarily <laughs> wasn't, yeah wasn't uh getting sacked a lot wasn't really getting pressured was looking really comfortable out there uh so that was cool uh ucla's run game finally found something uh <laughs> they actually performed really well 
Uh, they haven't performed well in about, uh, I don't know, nine weeks now, but they look I, really, I really it, good I here. I think it's what they didn't find, which was people capable of tackling. <laughs> really did, did you A defender. But, like, but did you notice how fast Carson Steele looked today? That was, <laughs> was really astounding. <laughs> Me when I look fast against a middle school second string football team. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, yes, their offense was great, and it was the one question we had going into this game is, like, how bad is USC's defense, really? Because UCLA's offense might be the worst in the Pac-12. USC's offense very clearly the worst in the Pac- defense, a very clear, close, very clearly the worst in the Pac-12. Like, what was going to happen when they met? Like, what was going to happen? You know, <laughs> is it, was, uh, you know UCLA's offense, you, this, it's USC defense is Horrific! And, well, and they're playing one of the worst offensive the past lines. Been this bad? If like Colorado last year, Colorado last year was Colorado's oh last year was worse. I think was it? No, I think Greg's right that like teams because their gave team up quit earlier. a lot earlier. They don't. People don't hate Colorado. This say if Deion Sanders was Colorado's coach last year, then th- yeah. we would have seen a similar <laughs> thing. Yes, but people fucking yes. hate U- USC, so that's why I feel they're willing to yeah, willing to just rub it in. I, Go ahead. Matt. I think maybe the biggest like concern or, or the biggest clear indicator of how bad USC's defense is is Ethan Garver's also threw the ball 31 times. We just had the conversation about DJ U throwing <laughs> the ball 31 times, and we're not mad about it. Full full stars, full stars. The the ideal number of times to throw the ball with it anyone is, against USC I mean, is 31 times. I mean, just run just run as many offensive plays as you can against USC. <laughs> like mm, however many offensive play, plays you can get in, the better. Um, so, okay, that's the offense, but, but an actual like good thing that I don't think deserves much caveating right now, their defense, UCLA's defense showed up. Uh, I put both of these teams on big time quit watch. Quit watch was just blaring for this game. USC's, uh, defense for sure quit. Um, their offense, well, Caleb Williams, I think did not quit. Their offensive line quit maybe three or four weeks ago. (laughs) Um, and their receivers maybe quit. Uh, but you, UCLA did a great job of limiting Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams had one of his worst games this year. He's had a couple other stinkers that are pretty similar to this. But I think by and large, UCLA did not get cooked by Caleb Williams. There's a couple times here and there that they uh, that it was one of those crazy plays where Caleb Williams was creating something out of nothing, launched it, and got a 50-yard pass. That did happen. That's going to happen. But overall, an actually impressive defensive performance. No, like, with a straight face. A, a really good professor, uh, defensive performance from UCLA. It felt like they dominated the lines. They dominated USC's offensive line, which is bad. But we know we know that this UCLA pass rush is lethal, um, and they got whatever they wanted. But in the run game in particular, USC can run. Um, their run, they can run efficiently, even if they don't lean on their run. This was not a situation where, oh, USC, they were getting yards, but they just never went with their run game. They got nothing. Marshawn Lloyd had seven carries, 13 yards. Austin Jones, six carries, six yards. Um, Caleb Williams, three carries, six yards. Zachariah Branch, one carry, zero yards. That all added up if you include sacks to three total rushing yards. That's That's pretty impressive against, you know, some pretty good running backs. So UCLA's defense, I think, deserves some, some credit, I think. That's fair. Uh, any other thoughts about UCLA before we switch over to USC? Yeah, I I know exactly where I'll be a little less than a year from now on November 9th. I will be settling into my couch to watch Chip Kelly coach at Iowa. 
I can't wait. <laughs> I need it so bad. <laughs> Extend chip. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Chip Kelly thing. Um, the UCLA athletic director, the UCLA athletics department, fucked up by not firing him against Ari- after the Arizona State game. Yeah. They fucked up. Uh, they gave him a chance to save his job, and he did. He he might have saved his job. I think if they lose to Cal, there's still a good chance that he gets fired if they lose to Cal. I don't see them losing to Cal. I think they're not. They have not quit in such a way that makes me think they are going to lose to Cal. And they beat USC handily enough to make me think they won't lose to Cal. Now I'm not saying that there's not a chance. Cal is just good enough to probably beat UCLA, but in I, I would favor UCLA right now. And in the the event that UCLA does beat Cal. He's coming back. They are not going to fire a guy for going eight and four and beating USC the way you, he did. I they're they're not going to fire him for that. So they fucked up. They should have fired him after the Arizona State game. It was a perfect time. You had people who were disillusioned. You had people who were just completely backing off. You had a fan. The, he had lost the fan base against again an Arizona State team that was not good. There was noise all over the place. Bruin Report online. Tries to, you know, get the little scoop and say, uh, yeah, you, they're likely to fire uh, Chip Kelly. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and everyone ran with it as if it was news. I said that, that was preseason, the... and nobody ran with it then, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they jumped we the We said it here on No Truck Stops. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Casey Wasserman uh, came out, their big, UCLA's biggest booster, and said, there's no way that Chip Kelly is getting fired. He's their biggest booster. He's the guy who like actually probably makes these decisions. Came out and said he's not getting fired. That's silly. Chip Kelly in his post press conference said Martin Jarman said that's ridiculous that I'm not getting fired. Uh, who knows? I mean, you know, it's like why would you ask a question if it's not really a thing, right? Uh, if it's that ridiculous. But um, I don't know. I, I think that there is a real shot that Chip Kelly comes back and Martin Jarman fucked up by not being decisive. UCLA fucked up by not being decisive. And this is what they do. They just are not decisive. They're not a serious football program. Their issues go beyond hiring a head coach. Their main issue and their the main indicator that they are not a serious football program is they are unwilling to fire dudes who were just above mediocrity. They're unwilling to fire. They give coaches way too long of a leash after they've had any sort of success. This is what UCLA does. Honestly, it's a great place to be a coach because you can fuck around for four years and be guaranteed the four, full four years. And if you have one good season, you're probably allowed to fuck around for an extra two years. So fantastic job if you're a coach, if you don't want any pressure. That's exactly why Chip Kelly wanted to come. Maybe they shouldn't do that anymore. Maybe they shouldn't be a place where you can actually, the, co- the coaches that they attract are ones that won't feel any pressure and don't want that pressure. That's fucking ridiculous. I, Not a serious I need program. to live in a world where Cal beats UCLA this week and <laughs> Chip Kelly doesn't get fired. <laughs> I need yeah, that no, I, think so there is, I think there is no world. I think there is no world. I think there's none. 75 is the right kind of thing. And a loss to Cal, that's the right kind of thing that gets you fired. So I... I, I do think it comes down to the Cal game, but I, I kind of expect UCLA to beat Cal. So we will see from one <laughs> from one coach hang, on the hot seat. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Hang hang tight on my Twitter feed. Um, I will be finding the Carlos tweets from when UCLA made the move to the Big Ten, and he talked about how this proves that they're a serious 
program that is committing to athletics. Uh, this feels like a good time to bring those up. Uh, my words mean nothing to me. Um, <laughs> I know. But they mean something to everyone else. <laughs> um, let's shift from one hot coach in Los Angeles on the hot seat to another, maybe? Question mark? USC officially now seven and five that whole conversation about which of these teams at the top of the conference is going to be 2012 usc <laughs> turns out it was usc <laughs> uh, after being ranked in the top five in most polls preseason getting up to number five number four in the ap poll when they were six and zero, oh, they now lose they end the season finishing one in five they lose five out of their final six games they are seven and five. A truly absurd collapse for USC. Matt, you can talk about this game if you'd like. You can talk about what happened against UCLA. You can talk about Lincoln Riley. Where do you want to go here? I maybe it's Lincoln Riley. I it's very interesting to like especially go back to when Lincoln Riley took this job and all the Oklahoma fans like really sounded like a whole lot of sour grapes about like fuck him like the recruiting has has been a problem and there's all these problems and everything like that and god damn it they might have been right (laughs) yeah they might have been right this whole time and that i think has been very very interesting to see it's also just like further proof of i mean how good the pac-12 is because if the big 12 was ever this good and this deep oklahoma would have lost five games too (laughs) with lincoln Riley. yeah so yeah uh greg what did you think of uh usc in this game or usc generally i talked about the defense but again offensively like if you're lincoln riley what what do you do here what is it you do here because as i watch this team i see an offense that is bailed out by its quarterback time and time again i don't see an offense that is very well put together uh because of the way they've played against some of the better defenses uh and then of course whenever lincoln riley's your coach you're gonna have just dreadful defense and it's it's becoming a real problem like i could see them getting just destroyed in the big 10 next year as well and then they really have to ask some hard questions about his tenure i'm curious to i mean avery let's get to you i guess i'm 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 curious to hear can Lincoln Riley figure out this defensive shit. Do you feel like it's just him? Was it just Alex Grinch? They can figure that out. Like what? What's your read? First off, I'm really happy for USC that they have a bye going into the conference championship game. I think that will really <laughs> benefit. We gotta bring that back up. Remember <laughs> when we were, people were freaking out, including me? They were like, "They're gonna get a bye before the Pac-12 championship game." That seems unfair. Did it, they had that same situation <laughs> in 2019, and they also didn't make think, it then. Uh, yeah, I think that was the thing. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's really I, fucking I, funny that they're. Yeah their regular season is just over now like that was caleb williams last game and he didn't it's not even like the finale of the season as for lincoln riley i do not trust the man that kept alex grinch on his staff for that long to hire a guy better than alex grinch so that's really all i have to say about that like yeah i think his defense is gonna be bad forever and i think maybe in the Big Ten, he'll have the opportunity to put together a good enough offense, which maybe, I don't know, I don't think you're ever going to match what Caleb Williams was, but like maybe you'll have a good enough offense that you're able to like consistently win, but I'm never going to count on him having a good defense. I mean, I don't know. I think, I guess I'm of the opinion that I also felt that way about Chip Kelly. <laughs> You know, he put together a good, he didn't put together, he hired someone who can put together have a good defense. Have we seen Chip and- Kelly's brisket? 
<laughs> no, we have not. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I think Lincoln Riley can make a good defensive coordinator hire, but I guess it just depends on how much he's willing to actually go find someone who's good at it and not just like tap a buddy. You know what I mean? Like, is he going to tap another one of his, uh, you know, friends and say, yeah, yeah, let me get this guy, you know, a John Donovan type hire, which is what Alex Grinch was. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, but the, but the thing that USC has is it, it's, it's, it's their defense, but their offense hasn't looked good that great in a few months either in a few weeks, I should say. So I, I don't know. I mean, it feels to me, they're not going to fire Lincoln Riley after this season. Don't even know if they'll do it after next season. Cause you know, if he doesn't do well, because he's got, he's, I think he might have a huge buyout. I don't know. He's the USC is a private school, so we're not really sure. I saw the number 80 million being thrown around somewhere. Who knows? Uh, they were really, really slow to fire Clay Helton, which also makes USC closer to an unserious program, but we can get into that later. Um, I like, I guess I'm, I, I don't know this game here. It's hard to say. Like, I mean, this is just, I, I can't even talk about USC and UCLA and how USC look. Cause it's like, it's the same thing. I might as well just like copy and paste whatever I've said and whatever we've said. Defense sucked. Everyone's out of position. No one knew where they were supposed to go. They made Ethan Garbers look like a top four quarterback in the Pac-12. They made UCLA's run game look like Oregon State. Uh, you know, they, they could not cover a, a damn receiver. They've never seen runs to the edges before. Like all of that sort of stuff. I've said it. On the offensive side, their offensive line is bad. Their receivers, fine, but maybe not, the, not as great as they're supposed to be, right? Uh, Kayla Williams, fantastic magical doesn't have anything to work with we said that that was exactly what they've been for about seven to 12 to 52 weeks now and that's what they are now um so i don't know i they've got to figure it out because they've been the same team they have been the same team and people will point to the 11 and one start in 2022 and matt talked about it and other folks talked about it that was a pretty fraudulent 11 and one um, and we know that definitively now. I think we can say definitively, looking back on 2022 USC, it was fraudulent. They weren't that good. They didn't have to play nearly as many, uh, the quality of a team, and their defense took a step back despite their talent taking a step up. So I don't know. I don't know if we have anything to say about Lincoln Riley and USC other than good luck, buddy. <laughs> Does it feel like Lincoln Riley needs to run to the NFL if he has the shot this year? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, if I'm Lincoln Riley and I just had this season and someone wants to gamble on my offense or something, a la Cliff Kingsbury, you run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get another chance coming back to college when the NFL NFL gig fails. Yeah. I have have no... he absolutely should. I think this is because this is this is just further tough. proof that offense is so much more important than defense. Because I agree that Alex Grinch is like John Don Donovan level higher. I think they're the same, but they still got seven wins out of this. So there's yeah. the value in that. <sighs> I mean, you see, here's the and, thing: the UCLA is the counter here because they had a dog shit offense and a really good defense, and they are now sitting at seven. Wins potentially. Yeah, I mean, that so, offense is not, not nearly not as bad as the don't. USC defense. Not, it's not yeah. close. I mean, so now what, we know that. What for you're sure. saying is UCLA's offense just needs to be 15 percent better. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> if they're 20 percent the better this year, they're maybe, 11 maybe and one. Maybe top I'm 15 right in the nation, <laughs> and they'll be a national title have, contenders. If they that's... have year three DTR, <laughs> they're winning the Pac-12. I don't care. Honestly, <laughs> maybe. Ah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, any other thoughts about USC before we transition out of these two mid-teams? 
irrelevant ass LA. I want to say goodbye, <laughs> but we will be covering them next year. So <laughs> fuck. Wow, wow, you're leaking the plot. You're leaking. You're leaking details oh, here. What are you surprise, doing, guys? We're not an ACC podcast. You heard it here first. We don't. We don't <laughs> we're know what we're doing. Maybe we're Cal gonna... and Stanford to the East Coast. We're, we're, we're covering in the Mountain West. You don't know that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's move on to talk about another beatdown. This one in Tucson. Greg, look, you know, right there, fall asleep. Just, You're right. It's, I don't want to think about this game. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Let's the, the exit. The Ferrari dread is starting to set in. Don't worry. <laughs> that is exactly. I'm looking at the starting grid, and I'm just thinking, there's no way. But uh, let's let's talk about it. Arizona throttles an even more shorthanded Utah team than they normally are. The Wildcats beat Utah 42-18. They took an early, early first quarter 28 nothing lead. Never looked back. Noah Fafita had himself a nice day. He was 21, 22 for 30 on the day with 253 yards and two touchdowns. Tep McMillan had 116 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, Utah was without defensive starters and stars Cole Bishop, Karene Reed, and Jonah Ellis. Their offense was also decimated. They weren't missing anyone. They were just bad. Bryson Barnes had two picks. Utah only got 102 yards from their running backs. Overall dominating performance from Arizona. Let's start with Arizona real quick. Arizona wins a fifth straight game. They improved to eight and three now. Grapes, what do you think of the Wildcats? I mean, this first quarter, whoo. I haven't had a first quarter like this, and since we have to make a Utah comparison every single week, since Utah played BYU <laughs> in the Vegas Bowl, this was electric. I had a great time. I was in the kitchen making cocktails, and I had to keep like looking because they kept throwing touchdown passes or scoring. It was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Um, I would say like the worst part about Arizona in this game is that they did well enough that they trotted out number seven and I had to watch him play football, which yeah. I was really yeah. hoping I wouldn't have to do again this season. But I, I know you, Utah was injured. I know all that, but like, I think it was pretty clear that Arizona was going to win this game regardless. And they did. And they've been a lot of fun. Matthew Berson, what'd you think of Arizona in this one? I, you know, I've just, I think Arizona is a good football team. Is, is really just kind of what you come away with. I definitely think that there's a certain amount of similar to, let's talk about the Utah comparison, similar to how Kyle Whittingham needs to m- far more publicly answer for the crimes of playing Jake Bentley um, <laughs> and, and Charlie Brewer. Uh, Jed Fish needs to answer for the crimes of, of playing number seven at the beginning of this season. This this team is good. This team is just flat out good. And, and to continue to have that volatility at that position – um, was was certainly a choice. Yeah. It was certainly a choice. And I think that you look at the context of the season where if it was any other Pac-12 season where you don't have an undefeated and one lost pe- team at the top, Arizona is looking at a very legitimate inside shot at the championship and, and being very competitive in that game. And it seems like they're going to be very significantly left out of that. And so um, that I, I definitely think needs a little bit more investigation and answering for. Yeah, I think that's true. I also think, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is, they will probably end up, assuming the Territorial Cup doesn't become the Territorial Cup and just is the most chaotic fucking thing you've ever seen. Assuming that's not the case and they beat Arizona State next week as they should, nine and three off of five and seven season, five and seven season with the excuse of like, well, we played, you know, number seven and he was garbage and they fucked up and they did a Charlie Brewer and they did a Jake Bentley, uh, is, I don't know. It's like, 
this is one of those things where we talk about like you know the college football playoff and how it's better to be left out of it sometimes when you have a really great season and you want to go in there and find out what you would do if you had to play championship level Alabama. It's kind of the same thing with Arizona. I feel like Arizona's a you you nailed it, man. They're a good football team. They are well rounded. They're complete. They're balanced. However you want to say that, they basically can play. They have a good defense and they have a really good offense. Their defense is. Um, their defense is impressive. I think they are an aggressive defense, not always a disciplined one, not a perfect one, but a totally good, solid defense that does what it needs to do in the run game. I think a, a really impressive run uh, defensive performance against Utah. Their secondary was totally fine against Utah. Um, and, you know, they have a great quarterback. They have really impressive, explosive running backs. They've got top tier receivers with Ted McMillan and Jacob Cowing and all those other dudes. Like they're just so balanced and complete and they are a buzzsaw. And frankly, like if I'm Washington, I'm looking at the other side, like Oregon is probably a tougher matchup just because of the talent. But like, I don't, if you're Washington, you're like, I would, I would also like to avoid Arizona if I were them. Uh, The last time these two played, Noah Fafita was getting his first start. I think we forget that that loss where Washington beat Arizona Noah Fafita was just getting his legs under him, and they put together a game plan to kind of limit him and ease him in. He can do a lot more now. He looks week 12 Noah Fafita looks so much better than week three or week four Noah Fafita. Get ready, everyone. Carlos is about to call somebody else the third best quarterback in the conference. (laughs) Where would you put him? Third. Go ahead. Third. (laughs) (laughs) He's right behind Cameron (laughs) Skadaboo. He's fantastic. And like he has great receivers, so he is being carried a little bit by them. But like he's he's a he is a really good quarterback. I love watching Noah Fafita play. Um he's a lot of fun. He's being asked to do a little bit more now and he's being a- and he's able to do it. And Jonah Coleman, a fucking bruiser, a nightmare, a, a buzzsaw himself, like just running over dudes. This was this is great. Uh, I, I really like Arizona. I'm I'm hoping they finish nine and three. That would be such a huge step up for them. I hope they get to a New Year Six Bowl. We'll see. The AP poll has been kind of fucking them, but um, you know they'll have a, they'll ha- they'll they'll get a chance to get into a big bowl game. Maybe it's the Alamo Bowl or you know they'll be in the Holiday Bowl. That'll be a lot Vegas. of fun. Put them in That'd Vegas. Okay, you want to see them in Vegas? Okay, them versus okay. LSU. That'd be an electric football game. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Jaden Daniels residual hatred. Ooh. I'm saying oh, goodness, <laughs> goodness, that would be fun. That would be fun. Matthew, uh, Greg, sorry. What did you, uh, do you have any thoughts about Arizona before we move on here to Utah? Mine were pretty similar to y'all's. They're just a very good football team. Like they're complete. They're just, they're so fun. And it makes you hate Jed fish all the more for, uh, the, the quarterback crimes committed this year because they could have been a lot more fun. We could have enjoyed them a little bit more early in the season, uh but you know they're just they're straight up good yeah Yeah. well let's move over here to talk real quick about the utah side of this uh and just oh sorry let me get to this again just to reiterate arizona actually is alive for a pac-12 championship game appearance they need one thing to happen and it's not like utah where they need a series of five convoluted fucking things to happen and then they kyle whittingham 
praise uh, to his uh, ancestors in the <laughs> celestial kingdom. You keep saying it like um, this. We all bet on it happening. We all were certain it was coming. Everybody mark the Mormonism reference on your No Trucks Loves Bingo card. I have some great Mormon questions if we want to get into those for a second. Here. That'll be a bonus episode. Okay. Yeah, bonus. Put it on Patreon. Who's going to pay us $5 to listen to us talk about the celestial kingdom? I can't believe I know that. I, I was not raised Mormon, by You're the way. You were right, though. <laughs> you said the right Renaming wrong. our Patreon tiers into <laughs> Celestial, Telestial, and Terrestrial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, let's talk about the, let's talk about the other side of this. <laughs> Utah. Utah loses another one. They dropped to seven and four their first regular season with four or more losses since 2017. Greg, I'm sure you watched this one closely. What happened with Utah? This is just very clearly a team made up mostly of backups who don't care anymore. Uh, this is the most Utahs look like they've quit since the 2019 Alamo Bowl. Uh, mm. just, they looked so disinterested. Oh and I, I'm not trying to like say that they, you know, if they were trying, they would have beat Arizona because that's not true. Uh, in the state Utah's in, Arizona was going to blow them out every time. Uh, but man, you can just tell that Utah has nothing to play for at this point. That was my main takeaway. Obviously, they're going to look bad when they're missing everybody that they are. The The only thing about this that I feel like we learned is that Utah has finally quit. Yeah. I, Matt, you agree? It was big time. They yeah, were I mean, quit. really. The, Did you my, expect them to quit? I don't even know if it's necessarily quit as much as just like Utah fans have been complaining for years about like the closed practices and everything, especially in fall and spring camp. And congratulations, fans. You're getting to, to see your 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 practice squad out here. This is this is what <laughs> practices look like. And so here you go like that. I this team is so I've never watched a Utah football team and had five guys in on tackle and be like, I, do, I can't name a single one of those numbers. I have no idea mm. who any of those people are out there right now. Mm. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Avery, think they quit here? I mean, I just don't think they had like the capability to do anything. So if that's like, I don't really believe in quitting. I think like by default, I guess, technically, I don't think Utah is the type. Did you think USC's defense? Quit? No, I would Utah say they quit. for Utah. Utah does. Oh, Utah is one of those oh, teams that like doesn't believe in that shit. Utah, Utah's too righteous to quit. Exactly. <laughs> like Kyle Whittingham rather die than let his team quit. I so, thought Kyle Whittingham kind of looked like he was ready to quit on the sidelines. <laughs> I don't Jason think Shear does not Kyle feel Whittingham that way. Okay. We're gonna talk about that. Jason Shear doesn't feel. That's that what way. I was just gonna segue to. I don't think I don't think the actual game playing is the most interesting narrative to come out of this game. I At think all. it's like reporters from these teams <laughs> beefing with each other on Twitter. So Matt, <laughs> oh, Matt please God. give us the rundown of the drama. gets into this shit every year, and I love it. Okay, so getting to the end of the game. Utah is still playing football for some reason because Kyle Whittingham is a masochist, I guess. I don't really know. Trying to score, goes for two, kicks an onside kick, is calling timeouts. And Jason Shear led the charge of being quite upset about this. Um, felt that it was not graceful or professional at all and uh, felt that that is why Arizona put in JDL and that was the 51-yard touchdown was be, was in retribution. Or whatever. Um, with that 51-yard touchdown, Alex Markham of Utah Rivals fame um, 
decided to have the exact same energy as Jason Shear about this and say that that was un- untoward and unacceptable, all leading to a video of Morgan Scally walking past Jason, walking past Jed Fish in like the post game scrum, like just completely ignoring him. They didn't see each other. And Alex Markham basically saying like, this confirms that the Utah staff is mad about it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then Morgan Scally quote tweeted this. Morgan Scally <laughs> hasn't tweeted since June, June of this year about the loss of one of his friends. And he quote tweets this like within an hour after it's tweeted. Alex, like Morgan Scally isn't allowed to hold a phone anymore. Yeah. Sure. Since <laughs> somebody, the last somebody handed him a phone and was like, you need to address this. this. <laughs> listen, listen to the, what he said. Oh, Alex, you Go are ahead, a ahead. good man, but I honestly never saw coach fish, nor would I have ignored him. Had I seen him, he has done a great job coaching this year. I have nothing but respect for him and his staff. Our job is to play great defense. And we failed to do that today on me. That's insane that after a loss on the road, somebody thought it was so important that Morgan Scally responds to this. I'm like yeah. shook to my core. Utah's coaching staff does not engage. Well, no coaching staff really engages in this. No, no one. Lane does this. Lane this Kiffin. is crazy. Especially Exclusively Lane Kiffin. Yeah, literally yeah, Lane Kiffin. But as a troll, he's not serious debunking this shit. He's like, he's just like, we'll post like, oh, rat poison tweet yeah. shit. Never, right? That's what I'll post. Never in my life, in my 23 years, would I ever think a Utah staff member, especially Morgan Scally, like the only other person besides Morgan Scally that I think is less likely to do this, is Kyle Whittingham. Is Kyle Whittingham, like, this yeah. Is fucking insane a utah writer <laughs> this is crazy writer yeah, is yeah. Doing here's the video let me here. let me play the video just so people see you know jed fish is walking he looks very old by the way he looks battered this guy <laughs> um <laughs> he, he that's that touch right there to morgan scally morgan scally doesn't nope, turn around that's not morgan I, that's not okay. Which one? That's that one right Morgan. there. <laughs> like that they more just, one who walked by. I don't even fucking know which one. They were yeah. like facing in the same direction. Like there's no way they could have seen each other unless they were seeking each other out. And Alex Markham says Morgan Scally isn't amused, and he isn't going to forget Jed. He isn't going to forget Jed Fish's last minute stunt. A lot of opinions have changed on Fish after that play call. Shut the fuck up. I just like don't. Why are we doing? <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the, here's the problem. This is like. Go ahead, Matt, because I have something to say about this fucking media landscape we live in. Yes, a hundred percent, because then Sheer quotes Scally's tweet and goes, not sure if I believe it. Like, what (laughs) the fuck? Here's the thing. Here's the media scape we live in now. The vast majority of content that you, our dear listener, our dear fan, who we love very much, is consuming content from these fucking message board writers who have varying levels of training uh, around writing and journalism, but whose primary role is to be like the most absurd, fucking insufferable fanboy, and to pretend as if they have these in these complex insider sources. That's not just like some fucking barista who works at inside the department or some like associate athletic director who needs uh, these writers to like do their bidding. That is like that is the kind of shit that you're getting, and so what you get is you get these like fanboy message board writers like Alex Markham and Jason Shear, who just like peddle bullshit like like this. No serious writer, no serious journalist, no serious reporter is doing any stupid shit like this. Uh, this is only happening on like message boards, and I like don't care that it means we fracture relationships with the people like. I don't, I, it doesn't matter. I think one of the nice things about being untethered is we can call out shit like this. Like, 
what are you doing? You're just like creating all of this. You're just creating content to like get people mad. So maybe they like generate subscriptions, I guess. I guess that's a theory of action. Or they're like just little fanboys uh, who are just who are just trying to get everyone angry and trying to pretend as if they're part of the program. And in some ways they are because they're doing some associate athletic directors bidding and pushing their stories. I mean, this was the same thing. I mean, this is like such a low stakes version of this. It's like a silly, fun, stupid version of this. But like a more serious version of this is exactly like the Jaden Delora stuff. Like Jaden Delora gets credibly accused of sexual assault and any serious journalist is sticking pretty close to what is known and how much we know and offering mild interpretations of that. Jason Shear is basically like, we, who knows? People lie all the time. How do we know? Nothing was proven. How can we believe her? Right? Like, that's the kind of shit that he's peddling. Um, no, and then it's and then and then what the response to that was? Well, we don't know what happened, right? It's just all the same shit. So that's a that's a higher kind of. But this here, the Morgan Scally's mad and they're running up the score, blah blah blah, and they're calling timeouts and jer- these like message board writers getting involved. Like that's just silly bullshit. Some of like, you think that I make up crazy shit. Like some of the people on Twitter think I'm the one making up crazy shit. <laughs> I am nothing compared to these freaks, and they get paid for it. <laughs> ridiculous it's ridiculous it's nuts it's nuts it's silly it's ridiculous uh it, it, like I, I really wish we lived in a landscape where it's like we had we had people who were like trained to just talk about these teams in a way that wasn't just like being a huge and people fans are allowed to write stuff right but like not when they i don't think you get to position yourself as a serious journalist uh charles Berger says don't you do the same thing on twitter carlos <laughs> I love getting people riled up. I do love, I do love talking shit. Yeah, I love talking shit on uh, about college football. I love talking shit about the Pac-12. I love teasing Arizona fans and Arizona State fans and UCLA fans and torturing every fan base and then talking about their game. Like I do love that. Yeah, that I've never said that I don't. I am not a serious person. I am not a serious journalist. I am not a serious writer. I'm not here telling you here's the truth and here's what you should be listening to and I have inside sources yeah. and all this other stuff. I'm not leveraging some like credibility that I built to say this is the actual truth. Um, that's not what I'm doing. It's not the same thing. Credibility is like a very strong word too because like their credibility is just like kind of being near to the program, like trying to climb over a fence and listen through a window to the program. We we have never claimed to have inside sources. And if we have, it's a joke. I need everybody to know that. Except that one time. Except, wait, hold on. Except that one t- What are you talking about? Matt said that Kyle Whittingham was going to retire. <laughs> if that man years. retires after this year, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> like this entire year being just the year of me being absolutely correct, but <laughs> off by three points on every single goddamn thing I've said. <laughs> <laughs> our, our homie uh, J-Pop says Carlos is the only Pac-12 <laughs> journalist. <laughs> and the rest of us are national journalists. That's, That's right. right. The rest of us. Right. Ask me rest. about Texas football right now. I, I am a credentialed <laughs> media member now. Okay. That is true. <laughs> I just say that. A credentialed media member. member. Greg. <laughs> It's illegal, Greg. We can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so we live in this weird media. It really does make me mad sometimes, like, seeing all that. Like, and it doesn't make me – it makes me – it's, like, kind of funny and stupid and silly when these, like, little fan – like, these message little message board writers get into fights with each other. Uh, but it, it's, like, more – sometimes it just makes it – it's more serious sometimes, and it really makes me angry. I just – I – I found this one especially hilarious because I'm pretty sure us as a college football like world moved on from the whole like you're not supposed to score when you're up like 10 years ago. No, <laughs> like, no. 
they, they, it's going to keep coming up because, uh, you know, the people who are in these positions are, I don't know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to the rest of the slate and make some game predictions. Homefieldapparel.com. Y'all, it is time. The Black Friday sale is here from November 17th to November 26th. Take 20% off the entire site with the code Black Friday. This is the biggest sale that Homefield offers throughout the year. You need your Benny Believer gear. You need Quacker Backer gear. You need to pay homage during these holidays to our Dark Lord Oski. And there is no better way to do that than through Homefield Apparel using the code Black Friday. Get your orders in as soon as possible. Items are subject to sell out, and we do recommend getting those in so that you can get those items in time for the holiday season for your friends, for your enemies, for the people like Carlos that just seem to stick around in your life. I don't really have a good reason why, but he's just there. He's always there. Uh, tons of new drops Ford Pack 12. We have snapbacks, bomber jackets, all sorts of new items and new gear has been dropped. So make sure if you haven't been to the site lately, Check it out. Enter that code Black Friday at the end. Homefield Apparel, the only ethical consumption during the holidays. Thank you again to our friends at Homefield. And again, 20% off the entire site with the code Black Friday. We are back. Uh, fun comment from the homie Charles Berger in here. He says, how does this U of A football win affect Tommy Lloyd's chances in March? As we all know. Uh-huh. As we all know, Greg? football propels hoops. So we that can exactly say that exact same thing. This is Ari, uh, Avery's theory about what happened with 2021 Arizona, I mean, not Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State, State. Uh, yeah. basketball. Uh, it's just, and it's going the other way. Clearly, this is the year that Tommy Lloyd succeeds in March based on <laughs> Jed Fish's success in the football program. Maybe he'll beat Brinson this time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the rest of the slate rapid fire. Couple games here. First up, Friday night. Wazoo fucking humiliated Colorado 56-14. Wazoo outgained Colorado 469 yards to 255. Colorado officially eliminated for um, bowl contention. Well, Wazoo finally wins its first game since early October. They'll get a chance for bowl eligibility against Washington. Avery, give me a takeaway on this oh, game. I'm so happy for the Cougs. They needed this so bad. It it was looking abysmal out there. This is not an excuse to be racist towards Deion Sanders, though, so don't do that. Matt? Uh, I can't figure out this Colorado team. Like the, the attitude and passion that they show on the field, I can't decide if I love it or hate it. I can't figure it out. <laughs> Gregory? I hope Shooter Sanders is okay. Um, because that that could be significant, and then yeah, Colorado is just a weird team. I can't believe that we doubted the Wazoo Friday night principle. Uh, that's that's probably on us. But yeah. I was fooled by the six <sighs> straight losses. Pretty bad. Speak, of speaking of of losing our principles, um, Carlos, you told me to shut the fuck up for saying that Colorado was going to go three <laughs> and nine. Um, they're on a path to go four and eight. Could you please respond? <laughs> Uh, they're on a path, but is Utah going to have any of its uh, 
first. I don't think it matters. Right. It, irrelevant. Irrelevant. Especially to, if Trudor Sanders is in conversation and the statement I'm, I'm requesting. <laughs> Wazoo was so close to 3 9. I was, I was honestly rooting hard for Colorado so, I did, so that I could maintain that I was right about Wazoo. Uh, yeah. Uh, damn. Colorado got its fucking ass kicked. I will say, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they got their ass kicked. They're getting embarrassed. Uh, this was, I, 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 they, they looked horrendous. Still better than what they did last year, honestly. That were even surprised and kind of, kind of uh, shocked. I think is, uh, you know, I think it's they, they've they've still come a long way. But Washington State finally figuring something out. Who knows if they? they we'll see if they get a ball eligible. I, I don't think so, but let's let's find out. So on Saturday afternoon, Oregon went to Tempe and snuffed the lights out of Arizona State. They beat the Sun Devils 49 to 13. Bo Nix had six touchdown passes as Oregon moves an inch closer to the Pac-12 championship game. Matt, is the is Oregon the Pac-12 championship favorite at this point? At this at, at the point of three weeks ago, yes. Okay. Avery? I forgot to bring Give my documents to hit on my desk and say, who the fuck have they played? I'll open that can <laughs> of worms. They've played nobody. I mean, they beat nobody. They beat what? nobody. They. But where <laughs> have they played those nobodies? <laughs> <laughs> Congrats! You didn't fall in Tempe to the worst ASU team I've seen in my didn't lifetime. Didn't fall in Tempe and didn't fall in Salt Lake City. Natty, <laughs> natty baby. Yeah, I don't know. True, about gotta that. avoid those. I don't know about that. They avoid haven't those. had a, a win that's impressed me. We'll see um, if they can not play their way out of a title game for the second year in the row. I'm I'm not sure about that though. Greg, yeah, I just. I've thought Oregon's the best team in the conference for a while now. So, yes, I think they're the favorite. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd probably pick them. I am, uh, but you're right. I don't think they play. They haven't played. They're beating the shit out of some bad teams. The good thing is you got to give them credit for beating the shit out of these teams that they're clearly better than. I think that matters. But, yeah, it's like when you look at it, it's like impact will play. They beat the shit out of Colorado. They beat the shit out of Stanford. They lost to Washington, their real only test. They beat the shit out of Washington State for the most part. Beat the shit out of a Utah team that maybe not very good. Beat the shit out of Cal. Mostly beat the shit out of a, a USC team that's quitting. And they beat the shit out of Arizona State. And next week, they get an Oregon State team that maybe just lost their last chance at a, you know, that did lose their last chance at a special season. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. They're, we'll find out. I would like to talk about the fact that the current clear one-two Heisman front runners are Bonex and Jaden Daniels, and I can't get over the Spider-Man <laughs> meme of that. Like the way that their con- their respective conferences view them and the other guy, like it's all just so so perfect to me. Bone Bonex so should not fun- be a Heisman finalist over Michael Penix. That's so fucked up. Somebody said in the chat earlier that Bonex's Heisman moment is spread screen throwing pass. a spread pass. <laughs> Screen pass. Yeah, screen pass mesh. Yeah, screen pass mesh. Yeah, I can't. I can't with that. Yeah, I, uh, I I also am of that opinion, but whatever. Heisman trophies are stupid and don't make any sense. I'm ready to just get split. They're nonsense. Split the Heisman between the UW wide receivers and Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> just a wide receiver. They're going to make it the uh, Bolitnikov again. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, Oregon's Oregon's great. We'll see what they do. I think I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. This is this may be one of the weakest slates of any Pac-12 team I've seen sometime. All right, next up here, Cal gets it done in big game. They beat Stanford twenty-seven 
115, outgain Stanford 450 yards to 289. Uh, Fernando Mendoza had three touchdowns to go along with 294 passing yards. Jay Knott went crazy at 166 yards himself. Avery, you are locked into this one. What did you think? I am 0 and 11 on Cal picks. We are down <laughs> to the final week. Um, it was scary there. Uh, I, I kept just fearing that Stanford would find another receiver that was really good and take it away. But Cal controlled this game. I mean, I don't really care other than the fact that they won, and I needed that to happen. Matthew Burton. I nothing to say about this game. I will continue to <laughs> laugh, and I'm glad. I am glad that the ACC will maintain the battle for the axe and those nerds standing across from each other, <laughs> and all those people like not in any way body shaming or doing any of that. Like those people look exactly like you think, Stal, Canford, and <laughs> Stanford <Stalford>. and Cal. <laughs> Stalford. <laughs> I can't wait to see these both of these fan bases rush the field at the same time in the ACC. <laughs> so bad. Greg? Uh, yeah, I, I, I picked up Cal Curiosity at the exact right time, okay? My Cal stocks are wonderful. <laughs> I got two wins in the last three weeks, possibly a third. Uh, I'm feeling fantastic about Cal. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Cal's a weird team. Um, I don't know. They only score 27 against Stanford. Stanford sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Stanford's bad, man. I, I, I like have no idea what they're going to. There's semblances of like, hey, this, this looks cool. Um, but but mostly it's 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 bad. <laughs> so anyway, we'll see. All right. That is uh, it for our uh, for our rapid fire. The rest of the slate. Let's get out of here. And make some game predictions. Is there something funny, Greg? Something you want to share with the class, Greg? <laughs> you okay, Greg? He's having a very normal one. Let him live. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just let him have right. a normal one. It's okay. Okay. Uh, Matt, how about you give us a standings update while Greg recollects himself? Do you think I put together the standings? It is Saturday night. No, I haven't updated this crap. <laughs> wait, wait. We don't have. I have. You don't. We don't. Let's let's take a quick look. I'm we trying. We don't have to get the full standings. How did we do this week? Let's see. I got it. I don't up. even know who I picked. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, Avery finally got a win. Where? Oh wow, wow! Avery went one in five this week. <laughs> oh <laughs> man! Oh Avery won eleven Ooh, in the last two weeks. Yikes! Oh, that is getting closer and closer. Call me Washington the way that I blow it. Avery goes one and five. Matt goes two and uh, two and four. Two and four. Wow. Greg uh, goes three and three. I go a brutal three and three. And Reed gets four and two. He moves closer. He is now, I think, these updated. Yeah, they are. Uh, I am only one game ahead of Reed in the standings. I lead 63 21. Reed 62 and 22. Greg 57 27. Matt is fourth 53 and 30. Avery is last 45 38. In points, I have a 10 point lead on Reed 77 uh, points. I have Reed has 67. And then everyone else is trailing. Greg has 62. Matt has 61. Avery bringing up the rear at 53. Gregory, do you have a standings update? I do. So for this week, uh, Reed and Briar won with five for six. 
Um, the loser was Carlos, went one for six. That's tough. Uh, I had four for six. Avery had three for six. The hardest game to pick was UCLA and the under. Easiest game was Oregon and the over. As for bold predictions, it was a rough week for us. Uh, I think we had some half-credit ones. Reed predicted uh, the UCLA three uh, UCLA three-score uh, win, but he also predicted the Carlos death, which hasn't happened yet. Uh, Still waiting Matt, for that one. Matty Schwaz picked uh, Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly to kiss at midfield. I didn't see that one. Maybe it happened. Uh, I picked DJU to miss a wide open Silas Bolden on fourth down to lose the game. And I think that was pretty close, but not quite there. I get half credit, though. What was mine? Um, yeah, it was a rough week for bold predictions. I don't even know what I put for mine. I, I don't remember either. I don't, oh, I don't Michael Penix touchdown reception. <laughs> oh, yeah, it didn't nope, happen. Damn. Didn't happen. Hey, we got a yeah, wrong quarterback. Ken McMillan touchdown throw yeah. in the Arizona game. That was that was pretty cool. Uh, all right, well, let's move on to uh, our game picks. The last week of the Pac-12 regular season, the Pac-12's final season. This is it. This is the last week ever of regular season Pac-12 football. Man, what a season. What a time. It all starts at 5.30 p.m. on Friday with the biggest game of the week. The Platy Oregon State travels to Eugene to play Oregon on Fox. Matt, who wins and by how much? By how much? <laughs> how much? <laughs> I don't know. How many freaking times is DJ going to throw the ball? Yeah, no shit. Oregon by a lot. Oregon by yeah. maybe a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Gregory? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Matt. I've... I've thought Oregon was going to win this game the whole year, and each week I get more sure. Avery? I think I'm going to pick Oregon State, even though it's probably going to be wrong, mm. but I just have to be leave. Yeah. I've got Oregon. I've got Oregon by a good margin. I just, I'm wondering if Oregon State's going to get up for this one. They, their, their goals are now no longer in front of them. They were, and now they're not. Uh, time TBD for the next one here because of the greedy networks and their six day holds. Arizona travels to Tempe for the Territorial Cup. Arizona probably a heavy favorite here, but Greg, who wins who covers? Who wins who by a much? Uh it's I wanna pick ASU because it would be hilarious, but Arizona's just really good. So I'm I'm gonna take them by two touchdowns. Or not two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Wow. Avery? Yeah, Arizona's gonna win by like a decent amount. Twenty one points, probably. Matthew Burton? Yeah, it would be hilarious, wouldn't it? I'm picking it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, the territory. Here's the thing: territorial cup is fucking weird. It's so fucking weird. I've seen the lesser team beat the better team many times in this stupid fucking rivalry. This is a disgusting rivalry. Um, I'm gonna pick Arizona, but I think it's gonna be weird. I think it'll be real, real weird. The vibes are, vibes are so off to me. But give me, give me Arizona. About to rename this thing the territorial swinging, swinging gate. Yeah, drink, drinking gate <laughs> proposition Let's here. Go. Take <laughs> a shot at every swinging gate formation. I'm I, all I in. watched zero seconds. Zero seconds of Arizona State, Oregon. Did they run the, out of the swinging gate watching. at all? I wasn't watching either. Also, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck is Reed? <laughs> Where is fucking Reed? He's, yeah, that man was watching deep in the last fourth quarter. Last week he was, was Reed's was... last week on the podcast, so damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Another six-day hold here. Time, TBD. Colorado travels to Salt Lake City to play Utah. Utah, I think, will be heavy favorites. Avery, who wins by what margin? Yeah, Utah's going to win, especially with Shador probably being out. I don't know what his situation is, but it's in Salt Lake City. 
and Utah's really racist. So here we go. They're going to win by <laughs> at least two scores. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I mean, I don't... I don't... Carlos, where's the game being played? <laughs> Salt Lake City. Okay, I guess. <laughs> I guess I'll go with that. I don't know. Gregory? Yeah, the potential for Utah not giving a shit again and losing is there, but it's senior day, yeah. and it's mm. at home, and Colorado might have also quit, so I'll take Utah. Yeah, big time quit watch for both of these teams. Uh, I'm putting Colorado on bigger quit watch than Utah, though. Give me Utah by, like, three touchdowns minimum. Uh, 1 p.m., what will likely be the final Apple Cup for quite some time. Wazoo travels to Seattle to play UW. UW will almost certainly be heavily favored. Avery, who wins it by what margin? Do we think Washington State is back? Hmm. I just have <laughs> such a hard time believing that a Pac-12 team goes undefeated in the regular season. Like, it just doesn't... Like, it makes me feel sick to imagine that world, especially the last season. I just want to cling to the Pac-12 that I know and love. And I'm really behind in points, so I'm gonna pick Washington State because yeah, you, Jesus yeah, you should Christ. just go with the you should just go with all the underdogs here, Matthew Hubertson. I mean, Greg, as he takes a drink. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to take Washington State, but no way. Uh, definitely taking UW in the Apple Cup. Matthew Hubertson. I mean, Washington State got right, right? Like, let's book in this season. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Get your coach completely and totally fired. I'll pick them. Sure. UW fans, you're yeah. welcome, because this is what you've been asking for. <laughs> yeah, give me UW by... <laughs> what am I saying? Is UW going to beat the shit out of Wazoo? Will they beat the shit out of anyone? Give me UW by, like, eight. Yeah, I don't... So if they with. win, like, it's going to be the ugliest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me give me UW by eight. Uh, at 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Notre Dame travels to Palo Alto <laughs> to play Stanford. The Irish, again, on the Pac-12 network, will be heavy favorites in this one. Matthew Uberson, who wins by what margin, and will anyone watch this? We have the ideal, ideal living conditions. A Petri dish for Stanford <laughs> disease here. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Go trees, baby. The trees. Let's go. Gregory? Um, I think that uh, nobody will be watching, as you said. I'll be watching. Notre Dame <laughs> will get it done. Is this is this the Pac-12 Network's final game? Oh, fuck. That's so great. That's so oh, great. God. That's sick. That's, that's so sick. Much um, <laughs> two ACC teams. So, Greg, who are you picking? Notre Dame. I said Notre Dame. Okay, Greg, I mean grapes. I'm picking Stanford, go trees. I am also picking Stanford, go trees. Final oh, game of the Pac-12 Network. I haven't been reading Reed's picks that he sent me. Fuck. We don't need them. We know <laughs> well, who we we'll, we'll get them at the end. We'll get them at the end. We'll, well get them we at know, the end. We uh, know who we picked. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go with Stanford. I, the last game on the Pac-12 Network. Man, we got to tune into this one. We should have We should have Watch a thing for party. this. A watch party for Stanford Notre Dame. Oh, I'm not going to be there. Fuck. Well, we'll see. What's 4 p.m.? What's Japan time? <laughs> Tuning in for this from Japan is Humble crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's It'll crazy. be like 2 a.m. <laughs> uh, 
no, we're seven. It's 23 hours ahead. Seven hours if you just count the raw time. So that'd be 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Get up early. <laughs> Bama. Get Bama. up early at 9 a.m. You're an adult. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> and lastly, the last ever Pac-12 After Dark. That gets going at 7.30 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. Cal travels to Pasadena to play UCLA. Cal playing for ball eligibility. Chip Kelly playing for his job. Greg, who wins by what margin? I have to ride with Cal, okay? The Cal curiosity has taken me here, and I'm not jumping ship. Uh, if that game hits, my Pac-12 stocks will fucking destroy you all. So, <laughs> go Bears. Matthew Bertson? Uh, I truly believe that Oski will rope, will open the rapture before this game ends. I don't actually think we get a total. I don't think we get a finish. Uh, UCLA will be winning at the time that that happens. <laughs> but this is where it all ends for everyone involved. <laughs> Grapes? I don't know who to pick. This is really important to me. Yeah, this is this is the last one where you get to go 0-12. I'll 12 get 12 points. Against this Cal. is 12-pointer. You pick first. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's the? No, I'm gonna call it a 24 pointer. Executive decision. It's 24 points. I'm calling it 24 <laughs> For points. Cal winning. Would right. that be enough to beat me? Carlos, Probably. shut the fuck up. Wait, Carlos, wait, wait. Up. I should get 12 <laughs> points. I should get 12 points, and you guys should all get docked 12 points. There you go. Little, no, just like, little, little shooting the moon. Shooting the moon moment. <laughs> this is a new rule that we're implementing in our picks that you can do this. Fuck, Carlos, you pick first. You pick first. Team. I need to think a little bit longer. I think it is going to be UCLA. I think UCLA is going to win. I think they're going to save his job. Yeah, I think I think, I think think that's what's going to happen here. USC's defense is so bad, though. Like, I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be misted by what UCLA did today because it's just every, every team does this. Whose defense scores more? <laughs> I think Cal's going to win, so I'm picking UCLA. I'm picking you, Sarah. Right. Fuck. <laughs> this is gonna be tough. This is the this is probably your hardest one. Yeah, this is the hardest is. one here. Can this I change my pick tomorrow one. when the lines come out? I'm fine okay. with that. Yeah, if you're shooting the moon, yeah. Oh, yeah, and sh- in a shocking turn of events, the Reed has chosen the following: Oregon, Arizona, Utah, Washington, UCLA, and Notre Dame. No way. So Oregon over Oregon State. Big shocker there. Honk. Arizona over uh, ASU, the, Utah over okay. Colorado, Washington over Washington State, UCLA over Cal, and Notre Dame over Stanford. Let it be known, I had every single one of those filled in on the yeah, sheet. Yeah, I mean, he just picked the <laughs> What a big shocker. He just, oh, the, the biggest. He's making fun of Reed. I love Reed. I'm going to make fun of him live. I'll pop. Oh, uh, you just got to pick the Why do we even watch in the Vegas? games if this is going to be our level of analysis? <laughs> <laughs> a thing Reed said to us in a text group where we were making fun of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, please come back. Please come back. We need some level headedness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. That's all we have. We hope you enjoyed that. Let's get out of here. We're back on YouTube on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific to talk some Pac 12 hoops. If you want more football content, there will be a preview episode for week 12 on Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We will drop our weekly preview episode on late Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And, of course, tune in next week for a recap of week 12. I will not be there. I will be overseas. These clowns will all be here. They'll have a fun time. I will be listening in when I can. 
For now, that's Avery, that's Reed, that's Matt, that's Greg, I am Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Oh, God, they're coming. <laughs> so close. Superstar